Welcome to an inspirational message by Pastor Harold Weiss, Senior Pastor at Little Falls Christian Center. Lord Jesus, it's for these people that you came. You came to save, to heal, to deliver, to build us in the faith, to cause our faith to grow, and to conquer fear by the power of faith, the blood covenant of the Lamb, the sword of the Spirit, the armor of God, it is written, submit to God and resist the devil and he will flee. He will flee because we are the people who are submitted to our God and our Savior. We don't fear, we move on. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against your church. In Jesus' name, give the Lord a praise offer your body. Thank you to the band. I must still decide which of them sing the best, play the best, because they sang me straight into heaven. So many times I just don't know it. I mean, it's just, it's almost terrible, but it's terribly good. You know, I got this Rottweiler little female. Well, she's not so little. She's about 40, 45 kilos. And uh, then when she hasn't seen me for a while, she's an in, in, incredibly intelligent dog. And uh, now she's, she's there. And uh, the others are there too. But now when she comes, then she kind of turns her body like that. And she begins to weep, and I say, terrible, Dad. And then she moans, oh, you, 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 you. Now, she hasn't seen me a while, see, now. I said, terrible, and then she talks back, you know. But to me, it was really terrible not to see you. I want to tell you, give Jesus a praise offering. <laughs> Amen. I never knew exactly how this moment would come, but it's a moment. And uh, I know that we're now on the road. And... Uh, there are things I want to share with you this morning. You know, I took two weeks. I just wanted to rest after a year's labor. And then the third week, which is this past week, I decided to go into total separation to God. And uh, almost didn't come out there. Only twice Maud said, now you get out of this room, you come out. And she took me down to the dam at Hotspur Dam, and then she took me out to have a meal outside one evening, and that was it. As for the rest of the time, it's a word and prayer. And prayer and the word and the word and prayer. And um, the hours went by, I don't know how, but they just flew by. I felt like I was back in the days of the tent. I felt the presence of God, and uh, uh, it's an amazing experience that we've gone through. You know, when I prayed about this day, I thought to myself, now, I better, get a, I better get a sermon now. Some people want a sermon here. And then I said, Lord, now what should I preach? And the Lord said, nothing. And I said, what do I preach? Lord said, nothing, not a thing. And uh, then I thought, all right, you don't want me to preach a sermon. What shall I do then? Just get on the platform and I'll lead you what to say. So here I am. In this period of time, um, I was surrounded by, when, uh, during this year, 
I saw fear in action like I haven't seen in my life. The worst part of it is where I saw believers in fear. I could still understand the people of the world. For they're without God, without hope. Without understanding, without being able to see. The Lord Jesus said in uh, John chapter 3 verse 3. He said, Verily I said to you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. You cannot have spiritual sight except through being born again. And there is a, can I almost say, a preamble type process to that. Repentance from dead works, faith towards God, the doctrine of baptisms, and the resurrection of the dead, and the doctrine of the return of the Lord. The return of the Lord. I'm just quoting Hebrews chapter number 6 there. Um, so there's a lot to be talked about. However, what stunned me was the level of fear mongering that was going on in society. Now, last night, uh, you know, uh, Maud and I was busy getting and there was a television program on like a documentary on what is known as the gray zone. And it caught my attention uh, and I was going to switch off because where uh, I go to bed really very early because I get up really early. So here they got this thing called the gray zone and they talk about warfare and the next world war and how this gray zone thing comes to play. And it was like, okay, just give it attention. And so I got a snippet of it, but it boils down to this, that they use the word insidious. And for that, I do have just a dictionary definition for you. Insidious meaning something proceeding in a gradual and a subtle way, but with very harmful effects. For example, such as serious illness that is hiding away and hiding away and suddenly hits hard and the person or man or woman dies because of that. Insidious means, again, it means proceeding in a gradual, subtle way, but with very harmful effects. Now, having said all of that, I started off in the early year and I started talking about fear-mongering. Now, the fear-mongering that was going on, and I'm saying on a planetary level, on a global scale, just absolutely, my battle became the battle against fear in the hearts of the people. And I would do anything in my power when I would preach, I would constantly talk about faith versus fear. And the worst of the worst is if I watched believers, how they are so caught up and behave by fear. And the process of, let me say, insidiousy would be a gradual increase with harmful effect as the end result. So we saw the fear-mongering begin, and we saw the people jumping into the stormy seas and sinking everywhere. With that being said, I really began to look at people. I see 
Wherever I went, I see the, the, the people walking and sitting their eyes. Strange things, I need to tell you something, strange things happened to me. Strange things happened to me. And I see far more than what I'm talking about. So, I would see things and I would see the spiritual condition of the person. Like that. Particularly if I'm prayed of, it's like, there it is. So, um, the world got captivated with this insidious process of the entire world media pumping, fear-mongering. Then the presentation, as the Americans would say, the presentation of stats. Now, I did statistical methods at university. It was my strongest subject. And uh, to me, it was like an easy subject. But I remember how you lay out stats, how you research the stats, and how it works. After that, I would do psychometric testing so that you can test people's aptitudes and things like that. But when you look at stats, um, there's a way of presenting them. So you look at the global stats concerning the coronavirus, and if, no matter where you go, on a television network, no matter where you go, the first thing they throw on the stats, so many dead. They don't say, they don't say, well, for example, here in this country, and if you can get any country for that matter, without the books being cooked somewhere around the world in any nation, when you look at that thing, um, the first thing said is so many dead. They don't say, what's the total sum of the population? What is the total sum of people within the population that experience the virus? Now we've got a bar chart in front of us. I see a bar chart. That's the one with like bars that stand right, for those of you who don't know. And in that you see a colored bar chart. You see so many people got it, but then that amount of people recovered, were actually healed, got out of it. And if you look at, for example, and I'm not, I'm not getting in specifics now because then I have to go to the actual stats because I don't like just quoting things without getting the figures right, precisely right. And just to get the correct stats, I eventually resorted to Johns Hopkins University in the United States, like a world monitoring system everywhere, and then start, you take averages and deviation of the norm to see, okay, fine. So if that is the deviation of the norm, X percentage, then you, you apply it across the board, you get more or less an idea. Then you see that people in the nation here, like 1.5 million plus, got it. Then you look at the stats, 1.5, a little bit less, recovered. One and a half million recovered, more than one and a half million recovered. See? Then you say, okay, how many deaths on a bar chart? And you see it's a tiny little thing like that. Then one professor, medical professor said, there's a difference of dying with COVID and of COVID. So if you're dying with COVID, it's like a comorbidity. You've got another disease and you're dying with that other disease takes you over the bridge. 
So it's with that working together, the person hasn't got a strong enough immune system. And if it's of COVID, now I've got a different statistic. Now, if you look at your total statistics of the population, and you then begin to look at the recovery ratio, and then you look at new infections per day, then you take a flow chart that you get daily graph or a monthly graph or a 28-day chart. You take these charts, you flow those things, and you look at that, then you see this is a different story altogether. And then you see your percentage of people that actually die. And you have to ask the question, with or because of? Then I realized a second point that came into the picture. Because you always hear so many people just died. Then I saw, wait, wait a minute now. Then I, I thought to myself, okay. So I must not look at the news. Never. Because I kind of get revved up in the wrong way and it's forbidden to me to become angry so I just have to walk away and switch the button off and rather go on an app and just speed read through the headlines and switch off and go away and then go here see amen can you say amen how many of you prefer to have this kind of news now we're going to get to that then I realized another thing, because we did this at university, what is the greatest, what is the strongest drive in the human body? And a lot of people say the strongest drive of the human body is the sexual drive to procreate. No, it's not. The strongest drive in the human body is the drive for survival. If a person's life is threatened, you'll do anything to get out of it. So if you pump enough fear-mongering into that thing, the moment a person is so fearful, they get frantic. Once they're frantic, they do just anything. I've seen people in this period of time lock themselves up and never set a foot outside the door of their homes. Food delivered by the front door, and they wait for it to become kosher, and then they go outside and go and get it in. And nobody even sees them coming and going. And that's it. Heavy stuff. So the fear-mongering now goes to such a level that people become absolutely frantic. And they forget about the great physician called Jesus Christ, the Lord. And they forget about him who is able to save you from... You know, the word savior... Is a Greek word. It's called tsutso in Greek. And that tsutso means literally the deliverance of any kind of thinkable problem and malady. And calamity and crises, the great creator became our savior. And so instead of focusing, get those stats right, the people eat it up like, like they eat porridge every morning, if they eat porridge every morning. And I'm, every day, I, I, I'd rather not see those stats. I'd rather go dig and go by deviation of the norm and just look at different stats altogether. And then I see what's going on. So having said that, I began to think about this. And when I said to the Lord, Lord, I've got to get to the people. I've just got to get to the people. So we'll have Pentecost this, this end of this month. 
We got it nicely scheduled there for us. And um, we hope by the end of the month we'll be able to have more people in the church. Can you say amen to that? I mean, the casinos are open. But I know that the incidence in this flock has been so low, so terribly low, that I'm never surprised. I have a, a man called Tabu Ngidi, our pastor in Soweto. He says, my church, nobody's sick. It's just the people around the church we're burying all the time. He says, I've got to get young leaders to help me bury people. That's next to Soweto. But in the church, everybody's healthy. You see, the fountain of health is called Jesus Christ. The author and the finisher of your faith is called Jesus Christ. You see, my solution, Pastor Tienz, is not in a tablet. My solution is not in, let's call it a medical drip. I love the doctors. They did a sterling job in this country. Let me tell you that. Let's say thank you to, to God for our excellent doctors and nurses that went through it all. But I must be honest with you, if you let me loose, in fact, I said it to one of the specialists in the church. I said, if you let me loose, I'll go straight into that ward and just start praying left, right and center in the midst of those people, because I'm just like there. You see, if you control what's on the inside of you, if you overcome yourself, you overcome your environment. See, you walk with spiritual authority, people don't understand. They just don't understand it. And they cannot see it. Now, with that being said, I'm so glad I said that, because that brings me to a verse. And I did put a couple of verses, like I could quote it, but I think maybe I should just read it. In Ephesians 4 verse 18. Now that links up to 2 Corinthians chapter number 4 verse 4. And it says these words. It says, um, it talks about the people perishing because the God of this, if you, if, um, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 4 4. The God of this world system has blinded the hearts of the people. Lest the glory of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ shine upon them. God who commanded the light to shine has come to shine in your heart. But he's darkened the hearts of the people. Now, if you look at this particular verse, Ephesians 4.18. I didn't get very far, but tonight I want to share a vision during this past week when I was in separation. It says, it, it talks about Having their understanding darkened. By now, I, by now I can tell you something. We talk about understanding. If you talk about understanding in terms of, in the Hebrew language, it's the ability to comprehend and to understand something. That's IQ. That's, in, if you're talking Hebrew, that's IQ. If you can take a thing, a mathematical problem, whatever, and you can look at that thing and you can solve it. Now, mathematics is now nice to, as an it fits as an illustration, or maybe physics, or what, so one of those, those subjects where you're looking at a complicated situation and you solve it. Now, in Hebrew, 
You're talking understanding, you're talking intelligence. I've always said, all, all the years of my life, I said, if I understand something, I'm never going to forget it. If I study anything and I say, I want to understand this, and this I shall remember, then I remember it. Simply because I understood it. And here it says in Ephesians 4.18, having the understanding darkened. See, there's a devil again. Being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance, that means lack of knowledge, that is in them. Because of the blindness of their heart. Take a look at the Amplified Bible. This is the old Amplified Bible, not the new uh, 2017, Ephesians 4.18. Their moral understanding is darkened and their reasoning is beclouded. They're alienated, estranged, self-banished from the life of God with no share in it. This is because of the ignorance, the want of knowledge and perception, the willful blindness that is deep-seated in them due to the hardness of their hearts and to the insensitiveness of their moral nature. So their understanding is darkened. So now you have a world, the planet, the planet, with people not saved, sitting in governments around the world. Some of them are saved, but people sitting in governments. Ham-fisted. They don't know what is going on. So now they get scientists. I got nothing, I love physics, I love science, always did, but it's not my savior. Now you see the scientists telling governments around the world, do this, do that, do the other. Nobody says, is there perhaps a seer of God that can speak to the king, which would be like Old Testament terminology I'm using now. There's a king in Israel. Is there no seer? Is there no prophet that can see what is going on? And so... We know how when the prophet was faced with the king, he said, bring me a minstrel. Let's make music. And the moment the music played, the anointing came. He began to prophesy this, that, the other's going to happen. But you walk and you see, you see that there's a directionlessness. And what Jesus said, these words, said, you know, the Lord Jesus is the most amazing man that I have ever known of, will ever know, and want to know as much as I possibly can in this life and forevermore. And the, now, what they now do is, now they, they just, they're trying to get some kind of a thing. And everybody's watching what everybody on the other side of the ocean is doing. And there, and there. And all of this is because the understanding is darkened and blindness. You will not see unless you are born again. Moreover, moreover, there is a situation that takes place out there in Matthew chapter number 16, 15 to 16. Jesus says, who do men say I am? And then he says, these words says, but you, who do you say I am? See, who do you say? Then Peter said, Thou art the Christ, Mashiach, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. 
And Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. For flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. Flesh, lower nature. Blood of the lower nature. Life of blood that's powerless to save. But in front of them was the answer, the very fountain of life. And he says, you are the Christ. Then Jesus said, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, Matthew chapter 16, 16. But my Father is in heaven. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit came upon him, and God the Father gave him the answer. That's an amazing thing that, that happens. You sit in the company of somebody, and they talk about a problem, and you know that's the answer. And some of the old ancient manuscripts, you know, like what they call the apocryphal letters concerning Jesus. And they say he never got involved in arguments. He just walked in and said, there's your, there's your solution, and walked out again. And they sit there, their mouths hanging open. Nobody could argue. Because they all knew inside of them that's the way it is. The way, the truth, and the life. Never get involved with the argument. Thou art the Christ. Now, flesh and blood did not what? Reveal. So if we say reveal, what is revealed? It's the Greek word apocalypto. What is the book of Revelation? Apocalypse is Christu. The revelation of Jesus Christ. What does the word apocalypto mean? It means to remove or unveil and present what has been hidden to you. So you read in the word of God, you see something nobody else has seen before. Or you look at something and you realize there's your answer. So your prayer life begins to play an important role and an increasingly important role as you go forward. So, now the Bible begins to talk of things like 4 Corinthians, no, 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, 13. We have the self-same spirit of Christ. We have the spirit of faith. But, when fear-mongering pours into the door, the gates of your life, your ears, your eyes. What is Smith Wigglesworth saying? I've taken that long time. And I said, I'm going to say the same thing. He says, and I'm saying, I am not moved by what I see, nor what I hear. I'm only moved by what I believe. So those words, I am not moved by what I see, or here, but I am moved by what I believe, and my faith is according to the Word of God. Now give the Lord a proper praise offering right now in this book. See? Now that's very important because if you now say, okay, I'm only moved by what I believe, then I go to 
the word believe, which is the same word as faith in the Old Testament. By the way, it's the word aman or amone, aman. What does the word aman mean? Faith, believe. What does that mean? You want to hear it in modern language? Amen. I believe. That's, what it, that's the word amen is I believe. How many of you believe in Jesus Christ? Say amen. amen. Give the Lord a praise of So now, uh, having said all of that, I come to the next point. It says, so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Is that the word of God? Yes. But there's something here that you need to take notice. Very important for you. Because there are words sometimes, I find it all the time. You read the Greek. I've got the Greek right here. I can read it from the Greek for you now. But okay, I'm just studying you. Um, faith comes. That word comes is not in the original text. I wish they would put every added word in italics. You know, that you could see, okay, that's in the text. It's not there. So, in other words, I come to a conclusion and I put that there. To make the sentence, to construct the sentence. But the Greek construct is different. The Hebrew construct, way more. So, faith comes by hearing, but how now? now if I look at faith, it's the Greek word pestis, uh, of which I have much to say, but let's just put that on the rack for a moment. We get back to that, and because I'm going to think to build you up. So, we, everybody knows when I talk about faith what I'm talking about but there's understanding needed there. Comes by hearing, leave out comes, faith by hearing. So then, faith by hearing. What does that hearing means? It means to listen with intention or with obedient intention. So if I listen to the Word of God. You're listening to the Word of God coming off the platform this morning. And I quote the Scripture. Then that Scripture compels both me and everybody here towards an intention to be obedient to what I'm hearing. Because faith is practicing what I'm hearing. So I've got to understand what I'm, what I'm busy reading. You understand? Then we come back to the understanding thing again. And the most incredible thing about the Word of God is that children in the primary school can read it. And I was a Sunday school teacher at 16 years of age. And you know, so faith comes by hearing. Now, okay, let's take it in full. Faith by hearing with the intention to listen to what? The Word of God. Faith comes by listening in an attitude that I want to obey what is coming in me. It comes into my system in the form of what? The Word of God. Now we're talking. 
Now we are on the road. Because now I can understand that I need the Word of God. I didn't say this in the first session. I hope people in the first session, if they're watching me again, I'm telling you something, but they'll fight it out also. But the Word of God is so important to take systematically into your system because it is the word of life. It is the word of faith. If you, John 8, 32, if you continue in my word, you're my disciples. How am I a disciple? By when I continue in the word. You're my disciples and you will know the truth. And the truth shall set you free. The truth shall set you free. Liberty comes through knowing the word. Liberty does not come through any other thing you can think of. There will be thousands of things. Liberty is the word. It's the Messiah. It's Jesus. Why am I saying liberty is the word? Well, his name, Revelation 19, from verse number 11 says that he comes wearing many crowns. His name is called the Word of God. John 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John 1, 14 says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. See, the Word became flesh. John 3, 34 says, he whom God sent, that's the Lord Jesus Christ, spoke the word for God did not give him the spirit, the Holy Spirit by measure, but what did he do? He spoke the word he was always with the father and he spoke the word now there's another man called Dr. Kenneth E. Hagen and he taught me early in my life when I was I prayed to God said please Lord I don't want to read rubbish books junk, trash, stuff waste my time I really want to get stuff that really will shape my future because I know you've called me. There's no question about that. And I don't want to waste one of my days sitting and reading stuff. And Kenneth E. Hagen said these words. Now the late Dr. Kenneth E. Hagen said these words. says, any problem that you are experiencing, you need to collect verses about that problem. Then you need to meditate on it. In the Hebrew, like, okay, Joshua chapter number 1.8 This book of the Lord shall not depart from thy mouth. Shall not depart from your mouth. But you shall meditate therein. Get back to that. Day and night. Day and night. That you may observe to do. Listening with obedient intent. According to all that is written therein. For then you shall make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. When will I make my way prosperous if I start obeying this word. But what must I do with it? I must meditate it. What does the meditate mean? It's an amazing thing. It is, I, there's, there's, there's a dimension to it that I picked up in the Hebrew that is just very, very funny, but very revealing because it means to mutter. That is like quite kind of almost, I, I'm saying it under my breath. I'm walking into a difficult situation, but I'm just quoting scriptures. 
And I'm going in there and I've got the word in front of me. I, I don't look at what I see. I don't, I listen, I'm not moved by what I hear. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not moved by what I, what I see. I am only moved by what I believe. So fear-mongering has nothing to do with me. What is the end of this process that I said to you? This process of insidiousy. The gray zone is the, can be defined as the combination of artificial intelligence, invasion of people's lives, through multimedia of all kinds, and brainwashing them to go in a certain way in behavior. So if you have got the people's opinion swung, then they're going to come along because of F-E-A-R, fear. Because just do anything, just get out of it. The survival drive. So can I allow myself an overexposure to news? Answer is a straight no. Can I allow myself to take in the word of God as hard as I can on a daily basis, every day I take my dose. And I continue with it, but with me it's a little bit different. It's, I read it and I read it again, and I read it in the Hebrew, read it in the Greek, analyze the Hebrew, analyze the Greek, get into it, so I get to the depth at the bottom of it. You see, because... I haven't quoted this verse, but I might quote it again tonight, as I begin tonight. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. The substance. Now we know the Greek word is hypostasis, but what does it really mean? Very simply this. The rock solid support of what you're busy hoping for. The evidence means the manifestation of the truth through proof that you get when you have the word of truth. That's, that is the proof that you need. So, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Faith is not of that which you can see. So, faith takes hold of what is invisible and pulls it into the visible realm. Knowing this, that with God, all things are possible, if you believe. But to believe, you've got to get your faith to, the, to a continuous growth curve. Like stats, again, you've got to go into the continuous growth curve. You got a little bit more than the people of the first service. Are you listening to me? I missed you all, you know. My, my name in Hebrew means exactly what I am. Tiens? He, Aleph, Rosh, Lamed, Dalet. Catch then?
And I'm concerned about the people. So concerned, you have no idea. I see the fear eating into them. And I do every possible thing to stop that thing. I say, stop it with that news constantly beating and brainwashing people into a, into a, where they get frantic, they fear for life. And when you fear for life, you know what the word of the Lord says, I close with these words. He says in Hebrews 2, 14, 15, he says, inasmuch then, as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, does it? Again, flesh and blood. Like, he likewise partook of the same. That through death he might destroy. That means bring him to absolute naught. Nullify him. Him who had, 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 past tense, the power over death. And to set at liberty, important, all those who all their lifetime were subject, subject to bondage through the fear of death. Bondage through fear of death. Last time, bondage to fear of death. Not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I hear. I only believe in the word of God. My faith is what moves me. Are you with me? Amen. For more teachings like this and other material, please visit our website at www.littlefallsonline.com.